Welcome to The Intelligent Asset, a podcast on digitizing enterprise asset management, developing intelligent interactions, and building systems of intelligence for asset operations. For industry professionals who work in EAM and facilities management across transportation, the public sector, utilities, manufacturing, and large enterprises. We want to tie the global challenges we all share to the world of enterprise asset management and how we can all make change for the better, building a more sustainable collective future. And this episode is brought to you by IBM Maximo. For more on getting the most out of the world's leading asset management system, check out certasolutions.com. I'm Sam Williams, your host for this very special episode, all the way from Papieti in French Polynesia, in the middle of the Pacific. I'm joined by Arthur Sikaldi, founder and digital transformation consultant from HelloScope, and uh, one of the most beautiful places on earth, Tahiti in French Polynesia. So kia ora, Lorana, and salut, Arthur. Um, tell us a little bit about your background and specialization in digital transformation, or, or should I say digital transportation? Yeah, so originally I'm from, from France, from Paris. And so I've been, I've began my career to work in the, in the consultancy cabinet where I've been uh, on several projects of digital transformation, especially in energy sector. And so um, it was mainly methods to um, transform large organizations through process to understand how is the customer experience, how is the, um, the, the HR experience within the company uh, to be able to transform it, to use digital products, digital tool uh, to enhance the customer experience and to develop new products. So it's quite large, but it can go to customer service or to deploy um, electric point of recharge, or to uh, to have a new means of payment. Uh, so it's it's quite large, but it was very interesting to see how the energy sector was moving um, around this electricity transportation, and how the fact that they cannot sell gas maybe ten or twenty years, and so what are the solutions for them to get rid of gas stations and provide other means um, to their shareholders to make money. Okay. And and uh, I'm guessing you're not a native of uh, Tahiti, did you? No, I actually, like, I fell in love uh, with a Vainé, with a Tahitian girl. Right. Uh, that we, met, we met in France and so after a couple of years in Paris, which is a bit cold, with cold people and cold weather, my my uh, future wife just didn't feel to stay too long, so we decided to to come back together in French Polynesia, where we had a daughter uh, two years ago. Okay, excellent. So uh, it must have been quite a transition moving from you know, large enterprise projects in in France and and the European Union to a, a small city like uh, Papeiti in French Polynesia. Yeah, definitely. It was really huge step. Uh, it's I guess it's easier in that way than the opposite. Uh, I mean, we have the sun, we have the beach, 
people like um, in French, you know, we have this this um, different way of address people you know and people you you don't know yet with the vous and the tu. Yes. And so here people are quite familiar. So uh, it's like everybody knows everybody. So like real village life and it's quite cool. But there is some some some, some challenge because of the distance from 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 Europe from the US because of the of the maybe delay of deployment of sub solutions uh, and, and and obviously professionally it's, it's quite different to be working in an environment when everybody knows everybody uh, from somewhere where there is a lot a lot of different projects uh, much like New Zealand I imagine so uh, and in fact, the industry that we're talking about, everybody knows everybody because it's a, quite a small, close-knit number of people that, that work in asset intensive in, in Australia and New Zealand. So I, I guess to give listeners a context for all of this, recently I was in French Polynesia and in, in Tahiti and uh, I came across this electric moped uh, hire service, much like you would experience Lime or uh, uh, here they're also branded Uber. Um, but this is a, the equivalent of a 50cc motorcycle, uh, but all electric, solar powered, uh, these bright yellow um, scooters all around Papiti. And I found out that you could uh, just use an app uh, to unlock a scooter and consume transportation in and around uh, Tahiti and uh, Maroa um, very simply and easily. And it was um, something quite innovative. Uh, but that on its own wasn't that interesting uh, to me. What happened was one day it had been raining and raining quite heavily and I went to park up uh, my moped uh, where I was staying at a, an Airbnb and my my foot as I was um, uh, leveraging the kickstand into place slipped on, on the stand and my scooter fell over. Fortunately it was on grass so there was no damage done. But um, you know, I picked it up and went about my day thinking, you know, that that was all fine. But within minutes of that scooter falling over, I got an email from Hello Scoot saying, are you all right? You know, we noticed that the, the scooter had fallen over. And it was like, that was kind of the aha moment for me around an intelligent asset and the digitization of uh, transportation. And how there are entirely different opportunities to keep people safe, um, provide quite different experiences of the consumption of products and services. Uh, I've I've wondered for many years um, with the advent of Uber and Lime personal mobility. Uh, you know why on earth hire companies. Uh, have not made it simple and easy to rent vehicles. Typically, if you're not a member of some sort of uh, 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 frequent flyer program or frequent renter program, you have to stand in line, fill out enormous amounts of paperwork, as I experienced actually at Avis and, and Puppy Easy once um, previously. You know, how hard can it be uh, to 
digitize this experience and, and change the customer experience. So, um, and especially in a place like French Polynesia, where there are language differences, cultural barriers, um, as well as local public transport and mobility challenges, making it simple, convenient, and seamless for users is a great bonus when you compare it to renting a car. So that's how I come to, came to um, be speaking to, to Arthur about, you know, how did Hello Scoot come about? Uh, and and how did it come into existence? Because I was fascinated by the the business model, but most especially something innovative like this in a place like French Polynesia, which isn't exactly known to be on the the leading edge of digital transformation. So, um, Arthur, tell us a little bit about how Telescope came into existence. It's 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 quite um, it's quite a copy. To be honest, so I was I was in Paris when the Paris is quite in the center of the the, the new mobilities that can happen. The 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 the, the staff of the of the mayor is really really active on the new mobilities. So we had a lot of uh, bikes in stations. Uh, we have e-bikes in stations. Uh, we have huge uh, lines of subways, obviously, but we have also e-scooters. Uh, maybe on one of the first cities. Um, we have also mopeds, shared, shared electric mopeds for, for five or six years now. Um, um, so it was, it was for me like a huge change of life when this arrived in Paris because, uh, to, to, to show an average day when you, when you're in Paris in winter, you wake up, it's night, you go down, uh, in the subway, you don't see the lights, then you go up in the office, you work, and then you go down at night, back in the subway, you don't see the light and you come back. And you don't enjoy at all the city. But when these mopeds arrive, it was like transforming the vision of the city that you can go in any area within 15 or 20 minutes for a really little fee uh, without having to order or organize anything, without to, to worry about how to come back. So it was totally different experience on how to move around the city and when i arrived at Tahiti, it's it was a bit like i got to to buy a car so i'm 34 years old it's i think the second time in my life that i buy a car and the first one i sold it after eight months because it's really a pain to <laughs> just maintain it to have to pay for the insurance to park it somewhere to find it in the morning that's broken and so on so um and I, I understand that cars are actually quite expensive in French Polynesia. It's su super expensive. It's super complicated to have the spare parts when you have something broken because there is a lot of delay. Uh, the, the, the insurance is quite expensive. And the distance we, we do are like really small. The, the islands of Tahiti is 120 kilometers if you go all around, but the, the urban area is maybe 20 kilometers, 25 kilometers. So actually every day we do we do 10 to 20 kilometers maximum uh, for the shopping to to get to the school for the kids and so on. So, so I I I came with this idea of saying what we we are a touristic area. We we rent mopeds. Uh, we do it already, but we do it like a kind of old-fashioned way with the paper, with the agency. With uh, uh, you have to wait for the guy, and maybe the scooter is okay. Maybe you have to come back in one hour. Maybe the helmet is not so so new and safe and 
you know, you have the fill in the form and depending of the guy, the price is changing, um, the mood of the owner. And so, so I try to, to have this idea of normalizing the experience of the, of the tourists as well of the locals or whether of the Polynesian. So how, how to bring, uh, um, more pet rental that actually, actually top of the age of, of, of what can be, what can be done, um, in all, uh, other places in the world. So I, I started the project to check whether it is possible to rent mopeds, what are the rules. And so we get in an incubator for a few months. Um, because obviously it was, uh, not easy to arrive like a Parisian guy in the middle of the Pacific, not knowing the codes, not knowing the people, not having the, the, the address book to, to just knock on the door saying, okay, I want to launch something. Can you help me? Um, so, so it, it took a few a few months, but it was really super interesting to to understand how the ecosystem like helped me to really give the the borders of the project as it is today. Great, I understand that it, it is something of a public private partnership that that some of how uh, you are able to actually come into existence is is through you know some form yeah, exactly. of government money. Yeah, we, we, we have, um, we have here banks and we have also a structure dedicated that is, um, semi-public structure that is helping financing projects, uh, that are maybe too risky for the banks. Uh, so this, this con came very handy when, uh, the banks saw our projects as a bit too innovative or, um, not clear enough whether the market was responding positively or not. Right. So uh, the SOFIDEP, uh, which is the name of uh, our shareholder, became our shareholder. So um, it really helped us to, to, to get the funding, obviously, to, to get the project started, but also to get this uh, kind of um, stamp uh, saying, okay, we are doing something for good for French Polynesia. It's not only like... Um, uh, private owned company that is uh, here to make money. We are also here to try to, to change mobility, to, 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 to give something new to Polynesian and to people that are coming to visit. Right. Super. And, and for the listeners, um, you know, how does it all work? Um, tell, talk us through the, the business model uh, effectively. Yeah, so we offer a shared electric mopeds service, um, and all our mopeds are, are charged with solar energy. So we, um, you just have to download an app, which are, which is on the stores. And once we have the app, you will see a map and you can select any mopeds, uh, to rent it for one minute or for a few days as you prefer. And to be able to rent a moped, you just need to do a quick subscription on the service, quick registration with a driving license or a proof of ID, and then you contact details and then a credit card. The registration is free. And then when you use the service at the end of your ride, you will be charged of the of the time you use the mopeds. Um, so it's really like standard process that you can find of online on the on many car sharing operators you have all around the world so we, we we really try to 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 keep something like simple because we have challenges to make local people understand how it's working but it's really it's, it's really easy going and then when you take the moped you just have to break the moped starts 
and then you you go around your your trips and you just let the mopeds when you have done your trip. We provide everything, so you don't have to charge the mopeds. Uh, the helmets are directly in the top case, and uh, you just need to park correctly at the end of your chip, and that's it. Excellent. And and I understand that the solar power generation comes from the, the building that you're um, housed in? Yeah, exactly. So we, we it was one of the challenges we had with the funding at first, even if it's a very small part. We really wanted to have... Uh, electric mopeds for once because it makes a lot of sense for the for the mining and so on but it makes sense also uh, environmentally speaking uh, if we charge it with uh, carbon neutral or almost carbon neutral source of energy uh, so we bought solar panel and we install it on the roof of our agency and, and today we have the capacity to charge um almost 100 batteries per day in our agency and um, with solar energy. So it, it obviously depends if there is rain, if there is a, if there is a enough capacity and so on, on the clothes and, and so on. But uh, we, we try to do our best to, uh, to provide this green, green energy source for our fleet because in reality, most of the energy is, is, um, is made from, from hydrocarbon or from, uh, from oil. Uh, so, so, so we really wanted to to tap this uh, this issue at first because surprisingly the the Polynesians are very aware of how is produced the energy. So the the first the first uh, uh, opinions I got about the project when I, I I pitched to people was like, okay, you do electric, but it's not environmentally friendly because you charge it with the Electricity that is produced here with all the petrol you are uh, importing in French Polynesia, so it doesn't make sense at all to do to say that is green or something like that. So we we really tap this uh, this thing by installing solar panel, and we try to go even further today to um, by having like some point of recharge with other producer of solar energy to combine like forces into um, into green mobility. Yes, and I, I found from my travels around um, Pacific Islands, it's a little bit uh, deceptive is not quite the right word, but um, the, the way that electricity is, is generated in, in most Pacific Islands is using diesel uh, and, and diesel generators. And um, you, you're in this paradise that is uh, you're the most affected by climate change and sea level rises and and yet there are kind of entrenched ways of providing electricity that are f you know far less than carbon neutral shall we say um i guess that that was another interesting dimension when we were chatting about this uh, earlier uh, that the price of of petrol um, or gasoline in, in um, French Polynesia is is fixed by the government. Yeah, the price is fixed by government, and the 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 people importing the company importing the the, the gas are um, actually uh, paid if the price is too high. To, for them to have like you know uh, revenue that are fixed or always insured by the country, right? 
I, I suppose from a, a, an incentive standpoint to to change behavior uh, around getting to net zero carbon emissions, you know that this actually acts as a well while it protects um, uh, the economy from global fluctuations, it also acts as a disincentive, I would imagine, to adopting new ways and, and better ways of, of doing things. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really a complicated challenge for French Polynesia to, to move out of the petrol because... Uh, we, we talk about the gas station and the, how we sell gas, so the price are fixed. So the population is quite happy because, you know, it doesn't like um, get too much in your, in your, in your own pockets. Uh, but also in the gas station, we have, uh, we have um, I don't know you call it in English, but we have pompist. You have someone like putting gas in your car. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to go out of the cars. And so these, these people represent quite, quite a small amount of people. Uh, but they, they, this is, they, these are, these are real jobs, you know? Right. So this is people. So the, 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 the petrol companies employ some people, quite a lot, but also they are owned by families that also own dealerships. Right. That makes, that makes it like a circle, which is also complicated to tap because you have like two huge sectors working together with shareholders that have uh, common interests with a lot of uh, workforce. Uh, and a lot of taxes also that are made in importation for cars, for example, or for spare parts. So an interest also for the country. Um, and tomorrow you, you wish to say, okay, we're going to make an incentive to, to go greener. So in Misia, we're going to like put less tax on the electric or we're going to put more tax on the gas one. So we're going to disadvantage the family that makes the workforce living or we're going to, it's, it's, it's it's quite it's quite challenging to find the, the right solution to onboard everyone and and to have the to have the challenge for every islands also because Tahiti is one of the islands but we have one hundred islands with inhabitants. So people that are living in on an island with uh, five hundred people, they don't have the same challenge that us living in Tahiti with one hundred and fifty thousand people with the traffic jack on the morning and so on. Maybe they just want bikes and they need a bus to go around the islands. But it's so it's a, the, the 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 real issue is about the place of the the car uh, in our society today. To to my point of view, is how we we manage to 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 swap from this economy of car central transportation to something more carbon neutral. Yeah, I think you were also talking about how uh, land ownership um, and, and the control over land around Papiti in particular makes it even more complex. I, I think you, you mentioned something about how you, you can go 100 meters and you have three or four different um, bodies that you have to uh, talk to or, or uh, get permission to do things around so there's a kind of a, a complexity in terms of the way that the uh, government is structured yeah you you have you have um, the, the the structure of the government is um different from the french state so we have our own president we have our own government um so uh people are structured with each one their their ministry 
with the culture, with the transportation, with the um, and so on. But uh, it makes it sometimes complicated to work it together. Even though we are a small country, we have to to uh, find way to work together. But there is a uh, um, um, issues of how we have divided the uh, power of doing things between the governments, the cities, and the, the, the private owners. And so you have sometimes the cities that don't, don't own enough land to actually uh, have a quiet, quiet enough space to arrange uh, bike lanes, to arrange bus lanes, to arrange parks, to arrange stuff like that. So you have you have the the country owning one road. The road next to it is the city, and the road next to it is the private path that is owned by the five or six houses that are here. And so, if you have like four roads crossing um, in Papete, for example, you have I think ten roads on one hundred meters, and the first one is owned by the country and maintained by the country. The second one is the city, and the last one is the city also. And so. Who's from the city and the country is going to say, I'm going to pay for the back lane and I'm going I'm to assume the, the traffic jam that is made when I actually do this back lane. And who's going to say, okay, I'm going to get rid of this uh, road because I cannot go to the landlord and say, I'm going to pay you billions yeah. to, to to buy you like, like five or, or two meters and you're going to move around your building and you're going to move your house somewhere else. It's too complicated politically speaking. So I get to, 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 to delete one road. And so who's going to take the political like power to say, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to take charge of it. And if it doesn't work, I'm going to do another job. It's really complicated because when I'm working in politics, I cannot go back to normal life, like do a company and say, okay, do, ah, do you remember I was the ministry? No, everybody knows you. So yes. if you start something, you, you come back with you, you curriculum vitae with you. So it's, it's, it's also quite, it's also quite complicating in, in this kind of matter. Yeah. Yeah. We experience similar sorts of challenges, but not to this uh, level of granularity, if you like, in, in New Zealand, where because everybody knows everybody, or at least is only a couple of degrees separated from from each other. It, it's both a bonus in terms of, yes, it's friendlier, there's stronger social cohesion, but it also makes it challenging to um, take risks, um, you know, because the, the price that you can often pay for taking those risks is um, social ostracization. Arthur, thanks very much for your time today. Join us for the next part of The Intelligent Asset with Hello Scoot, unlocking new forms of value in the race to net zero carbon emissions with Arthur Sicaldi. For more on getting the most out of the world's leading asset management system, IBM Maximo, check out certissolutions.com.